Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. We're going to be chatting with uh, Alistair Weaver from Edmonds, our favorite guest. He's going to be telling us about uh, Porsche GT3. We're going to get into some EV talk and some of the new things that he's got going on over there. And also he's uh, joining us from Paris. He's zooming in from overseas. So hopefully he's uh, having a good time out there. Before we get started, a word from our friends at Empire Covers. You know, your vehicle should be treated with the respect that it deserves. Unfortunately, the elements don't take vacations. EmpireCovers.com. They offer high-quality, affordable covers engineered to protect against rain, UV rays, tree sap pollen, pretty much anything Mother Nature throws your way. And our listeners of CarCast will receive a 15% off using the promo code CARCAST, 15% off your entire order. If you're worried a cover will damage your car's finish, well, Empire's fleece line covers pre- prevent any scratches to your car's paint. And if you want, Amer- uh, if you want American-made, well, they've got that too. Their American Armor cover is proudly made in their Kentucky factory. They have covers for RVs, boats, motorcycles, and more. So CARCAST listeners, again, you can receive free shipping plus an extra 15% off your entire order. Just visit Empire Covers.com slash CarCast or use promo code CarCast at checkout. It's EmpireCovers.com. Protect what you love. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, here with Bill Goldberg. How are you, Bill? I'm multitasking. Sorry, man. I, I uh, see it. It's, uh, good. it's, it's big it's announcement Monday. WWE big announcement. Thanks for uh, you. Got to go to work now. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. It's 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 a dose of reality right in the face. Yeah. Well, at least they gave you a little bit of heads up this time, right? So you. Can, Thank God. Hey, they they almost doubled the amount of time that I had to get ready. So so you can I'm switch from. Do you switch from cheeseburgers to protein shakes? How does that work? I already switched from cheeseburgers to protein <laughs> shakes uh, about three weeks ago. It's given me like a seven-week lead-in for yeah. my diet, but yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> all right, we've got Alistair Weaver from Edmonds. Good to see you, buddy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm in France, so bonjour tout le monde. Wow, it's France. It's What is it like? It's morning here, so it's got to be evening there? Evening it's uh, cur- currently 10 past six in the evening, and I'm just starting my working day on the West Coast. So, uh. <laughs> uh, Right on. Well, I appreciate you joining us over here. Are you doing anything uh, car-wise out there on your trip other than Zoom meetings? I mean, are you out there for a specific thing other than family? I'm trying to see the family for the first time in 18 months, so something much more virtuous. But it's kind of interesting. Is you know, I've been away for what three years now out of Europe, and it's it's interesting how fast things change. And I keep saying, I was in Paris yesterday. I keep seeing little cars on the streets and and wondering what they are, little Citroens, that kind of thing. So it's kind of nice. I just watched. Um... I just watched uh, like an Instagram video from our, our our friend Rutledge Wood. We love Rutledge; such a nice guy, and he's doing commentating again for the Olympics. Uh, so he just landed in Tokyo, and he has to quarantine for a little while, um, but with his crew. So they're literally driving around in a car. And they can't leave the car. And he's commenting on all of the other cars there. And the crew is like, yes, yes, Rutledge, I know you're going to tell me about every little detail of every little Japanese car, every little Asian car. <laughs> so they're just – they're in like a, a 
a quarantine bubble car and they're just driving around checking out the street. So I, he's getting a dose of that as well, what you guys are getting. So, uh, all right. I know we've got some exciting things to um, to talk about. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start and tell you that on the way here, uh, on the, I got a call from our friends over at Galpin, and they said, good news, your car has arrived. We have your new Mustang Mach 1. It's got the performance pack. It looks fantastic. You're going to love it. We haven't even dealer prepped it yet. Just wanted you to know that it's here, so you'll stop bugging us. No wonder <laughs> you're so freaking happy today. <laughs> and uh, I was like, great. So when do, when do we get it? And of course, I did a Goldberg move. I was like, okay, well, why don't you tint the windows and do some shit on it before I even go in there and pick it up? Like, why waste time? If you're going to dealer prep it anyway, and I've got to go to the studio... Why don't you tint the windows or something for me, and then I'll go over there and 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 get it. Uh, hopefully, in a few days. I think it's going to take them a few days to get all the paperwork arranged. But that's good. That's exciting. So, looking forward to to that. Did have a little conversation with our friend John Uris at Helion Turbo. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> oh, was that? What did you say again? I'm I, sorry. I said I did have a little conversation with John Urist at Helion Turbo. Oh, God. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you know John. <laughs> I know you've spoken to John. Yeah. And uh, he, uh. He, he did tell me that he literally has another Mach 1 brand new on his dyno that he's developing on. He's R&Ding on as we speak. So just saying – if 480 horsepower isn't enough for you, never. You know, there's always need for more. There's 650 coming down the pipeline uh, on 650 with a conservative tune and untouched motor. If you just want to go there, just just saying. Just saying. Just saying. That'll be your next. I'm, I'm sure you'll supersede that one. Go go even further. Uh, I have a GT500 for sale, Matt. I, I know. You told me that. We should probably just talk about that off the air. <laughs> just, 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 in, just in case. It's orange, though. It's it not, is orange. It's not my the, favorite the good color. Thing is, I have to sell it to buy the Bronco, and the Bronco keeps getting delayed and delayed. I know this is a regular topic. Yeah. So the longer it gets delayed, the longer we keep the GT500. So it is a kind of silver lining. Is there a discount on the GT500 because every single YouTube video you did, you got your ass kicked in a drag race? Yeah, I, <laughs> I was actually, this earlier today, Matt, I was looking at a drag race between an M4 competition and a Mustang Mach 1. Uh-huh. And the, um, yes, it's not good. It's not a good day for the Ford. Oh, jeez. <laughs> What's with you guys in launch control? You don't know how... Not yeah, so it's good. all the driving. You should, it's the same, you should read the YouTube comments. It's all my fault. Yeah, of course. That's what they said last time. It's all your fault. You don't know how to drive that car. I'm not, I'm not even driving this time, and it'll still be my fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Alistair. Right? So. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, how, that's how it works. Um, okay, so I, speaking of uh, fantastic cars to drive, I know you got into the GT3, the Porsche GT3, which – uh, it, it's just fantastic. Everybody's talking about it. It's the naturally aspirated car. Now they've got the one with the big wing, and they've got the Touring. Uh, which what what were you driving? So I drove the uh, Touring. I think we talked about this last time I was on the show. So I drove the the uh, the winged car at Road Atlantic a few weeks back. And that video is live on the Edmunds YouTube channel right now. 
Um, but I did have, we had a touring in, uh, which was a German spec car that Porsche had flown over. So I did have a, a little go in that the other night on the road, um, which is the, the sort of dark blue press car that's been doing the rounds a little bit. And it, it's such a cool thing. I mean, on the track, it was, it was sensational. So I wanted to try the touring on the road. And it has that nice car. I mean, part of, you know, it's very noisy. The ride is pretty stiff. You know, it, it's not a, you know, it's not a touring car, if you like. Right. But it does have that ability to turn every journey into into something exciting, way beyond, you know, a, a 911 Carrera S or something like that. I mean, it would be fairly full on to live with it day by day if it was your only car. But uh, I thought, it, I mean, it's, it's a fabulous thing. And they I sent, volunteer. Yeah, right? Yeah. They sent... The proper manual, just three pedal car. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's not the best box in the world because it because it actually the way the linkage works, it doesn't. Although it's very fast and accurate and everything else, you don't have that like old fashioned gears meshing that you do like on my on my old nine nine three nine eleven. But it's still a you know it's still the one one to choose. If I was buying it as a track day car, I would have the wing and the PDK. If I was driving it, you know, if I was buying it for something to live with and enjoy, you know, day in day out then I'd definitely go touring and stick. I think that, I think that's the choice. It's interesting because s- certainly in, in the media, like a lot of people are saying that are, that are driving and going, oh, touring's the way to go. It's got a more comfortable seat. It doesn't have the big wing on it. You only need the wing for a track day. But it is still essentially a track car. If you want an everyday Porsche, there are other variations like not you know like the turbo for example fast as hell super nice and comfortable has the sound deadening in it right like uh, so although everybody seems to like the touring on paper uh, is there a point of getting the touring version which is sort of the subtle non-wing version if you're if you're just buying a what's as close to a track car as possible well the other thing is you know there's no rear seats either so you know, I think if you want like a really nice everyday 911, then they've just announced the GTS, which we haven't driven yet. But generally speaking, the GTS is the sweet spot of most Porsche Rangers. Yeah. Um, you know, the the, the turbo script, the turbo's crazy money, um, and arguably faster than you need on the road. I, I don't know, Matt. I mean, I love the GT3 just because it makes every journey feel like you're at least on your way to a track day, even if you're <laughs> on your way to Whole Foods. Yeah. So, you know, or you're in the middle of a track day. One. Yeah, right. Huh? Yeah, it makes you feel like you're in the middle of a track day for sure. Exactly. So from a kind of guttural experience perspective, you know, I, I would happily live with one. It's, you know, and the rest of it's 911. You can still see out of it. You've still got plenty of luggage space. You know, you've still got Apple CarPlay and all that stuff. So it's, uh, you know, you have to accept some compromises, but I think there's a, you know, there's a trade-off. And that engine and the noise is just off the scale. What's the sticker? Stickers one sixty something. Uh, I priced one out. You know, I, I did went on the configurator and priced one out at about one ninety. Um, you know, it's a big question: Do you get the carbon ceramic brakes, which I think are about nine grand? So you're probably looking about one ninety, which you know is a huge amount of money. But comparatively speaking, when you look against exotic Ferraris and stuff, it's good value. I understand that. I, somebody told me that I haven't heard this from Porsche, but somebody told me the entire entire um, allotment for california was sold out in eight hours of gt3 tourings wow yeah it makes sense that that makes sense the previous version when the gt3 touring basically came out uh 
wildly successful. People are like, oh, this is the cool car. It's the subtle version of it, and it's a little bit different. And anytime you can introduce something that's a little different or a little new, it, it, it obviously catches people's attention. Like, we all knew a GT3 was coming, but then they hit us with a touring version, which doesn't have the wing and whatever. And uh, and it, obviously that caught people's uh, people's attention. How much is the turbo? If this thing is 160 to 190, isn't a turbo somewhere in that range? No, no that's north of 200. For turbo or turbo S? Uh, I think the turbo might dip under two, but the turbo S, which is the one that most people buy, is over over two. Um, but the turbo is a lot. You know, it's a lot heavier. It's more of an everyday. It's more of an everyday car. It's more luxurious. You know, it's a different thing. And the turbo will depreciate more. You know, it's not the investment that the GT3 is. I mean, the other thing is we talk about one thing. I'm not sure about the touring. You know, we talk about it having no wing, but the reality is it does. It has no wing when it's static. Yeah. But when you're yeah, at yeah. speed, it yeah, still yeah. has that sort of pop-up rear end, which which actually doesn't look that great in my eyes. So it's not sort of wingless, because otherwise I think it would be, yeah. you know, the stability problems. But so, uh, You actually brought up a good point. Yes, we, we were talking about fixed wing versus non-fixed wing, that the retractable wing. I agree with you. The retractable wing that's sort of the engine cover that put, turns into wing, that thing's ugly. It looks good when it's down. When it's up, it looks like it's broken. It looks like the hatch is flying off. Like it's kind of stupid looking, right? Like I agree. If if you're going to spend that much money on a car, listen. If this was Kona's egg, he would never let that fly. You know what I'm saying? No. Like literally wouldn't let. Like if the hatch turned into a wing, then his hatch would turn into a wing and spawn out to some butterfly effect or something, you know, like whatever, like, like it or not. But if it was Konazeg or Pagani, it wouldn't just be, you know, the, the engine cover turning into, you know, into a wing. It would be much sexier than that. Yeah. For an extra 3 million bucks. For an extra 3 million bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, the other thing, the, the the normal GT3 with a big wing. I just, this is just a personal opinion, but I I feel a bit silly driving. What if I had one of those in LA? I would just feel a bit silly with the big wing. You know, if you're just cruising to the to the shop, I think that's the nice thing about the GT3 touring. You get it in silver or dark blue or something like that, and you can make it pretty discreet. Yeah, well, everything we pretty much drive anyway is 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 pretty bumpy and pretty rough so and you know for myself and for bill it wouldn't really make much of a difference if if the gt3 was like a little louder or a little little bumpier because that's no i prefer it that's pretty much the kind of stuff we drive right now like you 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 cruise around in a in a tesla as your daily driver so i I don't i don't know what (laughs) my daily driver is 993 the tesla's my wife yeah that's right actually you got the 993 so you're 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 down with noise and bumpiness and stuff as well. So uh, that's why the GT3 is like, it's totally livable. It's like, yes, because you're not going from a CRV, you know, or, yeah. <laughs> right? Or from a, you know, from a Lexus to the, to the GT3. So if your everyday driver is a, is a, you know, BMW 7 series, then sure, you're going to feel like the GT3 is bumpy. But if you go from what we drive to that, you're going to be like, that still feels nicer than what we got. <laughs> There's yeah, this got whole world of cars that, we talked we talked about this before that like the media loves yeah. and nobody buys because you know we drive them for a week or two and it's like oh you live with this it's great and then nobody buys it because nobody actually can. <laughs> well pretty much every station wagon right yeah the media exactly. loves every wagon nobody buys them <laughs> uh, Bill you were saying about nine eleven yeah we got some good nine eleven news on this end finally after I don't know six years Wanda's is going to be on the road next week it's they completed it uh, a couple of days ago. 
So I'll have some good feedback for the 92 911. Yeah, that's a turbo car, right? Yep. Yeah, that's a turbo car. So Wanda's got a 92 911 turbo, Alistair. The 964. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a cool car. Wait. Yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, it's going to be real cool that it's going to be driving rolling down the road again. <laughs> <laughs> rolling down the that's road. That's the cool part. Yeah. Uh, let me guys. Uh, let me tell you about Geico real quick. Uh, do you own your home or rent your home? Well, either way, it can be a lot of hard work, but we know it's easy. It's bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to Geico.com and get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. So, yes, big big fan of the 911. I I saw the GT3. Haven't had a chance to drive it. It looks fantastic. Um, But to... uh, uh, to your your point a little bit earlier though the the GTS models that come from Porsche seem to be the most bang for the buck regardless if you're getting a Macan GTS or 911 GTS I, I just kind of felt like it's always been like the base equipment has been chosen wisely and packaged in in I you know I look, Porsche. Porsche especially has so many options for all of their cars. Uh, it, you could easily double the price of any car that they're selling you uh, just by ticking <laughs> off the box of options. And uh, a good way to do it is to look at the GTS models of any of the cars. And I, I know this new GTS is coming out. I don't know the full specs on it, but the previous version GTS – had or at least is available with center lock wheels off of the 911 Turbo S. So if you wanted a manual transmission with three pedals and the cool-looking center lock wheels, the GTS was the option. Like, that was the way to go. I think, you know, GT2, GT3, you could get that. But, uh, you know, as far as bang for the buck, a 911 GTS, and I actually really like the 911 GTS Targa. Which is a, a gorgeous car with the center locks on it was kind of cool. I I I hope they 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 do the center locks on this new version of the GTS or at least make it as a as a wheel option. Of course, it'll be eleven thousand dollars, but <laughs> you know, but it'd be cool to to see that feature. I think it makes it stand out. Um, let's see. Yeah, they actually when I went to do the GT3 and drive in Atlanta, they actually lent me a McCann GTS uh, just to drive from the airport with the with the camera crew. Uh, or cam- uh, and it was. I just thought this was a lovely thing. And then this week they've actually announced an update to it. And I, I just, you know, I just thought it was an everyday thing, McCann GTS. But even that's like a hundred grand now. We're now with the options on it. But yeah. I just thought this is just a lovely thing to drive around in. It is that one I have driven uh, a few of the McCanns over the, over the years. The new they they just did a little facelift on it um, on the McCann and the GTS version. The GTS version is a little goofy looking. Uh, there's something going on with a big plastic grill in the front on the on the facelift version. It's a little odd, uh, but there's some welcome uh, there's some welcome changes to the interior on the center stack, the buttons and the haptic buttons, and you know some of the technology that I think are 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 there. I, I, I'll tell you, I, I, but you know, not to to beat the topic of Porsches to death, but 
Um, a friend of mine who is a super huge Porsche aficionado has everything. He's well funded, let's just say, and uh, and is able to acquire uh, you know anything. And he he does like the newest stuff, right? So you know, and this is guy. He's had Carrera GTs and all of this, and I was surprised, as, even as a fanboy. He got the Taycan and drove it for a while, bought it, and I think about six months or eight months into it, um, he got rid of it. He just said, it just, it's just not quite worked out yet. He's just like <laughs> uh, – just said there was issues with the ergonomics on the interior. It was a little frustrating. He's actually more excited about the Audi GT, the electric GT, which is the, the you know, e-tron or whatever it is. Yeah, I think I think they're all called e-tron now, right? And then there's just the different models, but basically the 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 Porsche Taycan version, you know, of yeah. of Audi, which I would say so far that I've seen is arguably better looking. The Audi is absolutely gorgeous. I, I, I think can't. so too. Have you have you seen the car in person? Have you been in the car yet, no. Alistair? Have you seen it? No, no, imminent, imminent though. But you're right; it is basically an Audi Taycan, effectively. Yeah, and and you know, Audi just did their spin on their ergonomics on the interior and stuff. And one of the things that caught my attention when I just saw the initial photos was. The interior of the car still looks very much like an Audi, which they are doing well. For, I'm driving right now. I, I just drove for this past week. We'll get into it another day. Uh, I, I mean, I guess we're going to talk about it. I've been driving the Volkswagen ID4. This is Volkswagen's all-electric, I guess, entry-level vehicle. It's about forty grand, forty-one grand. I think you can get it somewhere in the mid-40s. And they've done some EV versions, but this is the first ground-up car that they designed but when you get into it they're just leaning too much in this like oh it's got to look like a video game console or an iphone and you know the gauge has got to be kind of offset and the 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 shifter is weird the shifter is like up on the gauge cluster and it's this this thing you toggle back and forth but you actually can't see it because it's right in front of you know behind the steering wheel so you have to kind of feel for it remember it and you push it like i don't know why it's got to be all goofy on the inside it can still have a conventional car feel right isn't that like why does everything have to change just because it's an ev uh um you know i I haven't spent that much time in the Teslas, but this Tesla with the weird yoke out of an airplane and the shifting on uh, the screen, and it just feels like a mess to me, uh, you know? Yeah, you're right about the ID4. The ID4 ergonomics are, are, are dreadful. All those like little haptic controls where you can never work out whether the volume's going up or down, and it's it's really irritating. And, and you're right. I think part of it is they're saying, well, we've got a chance to reinvent ourselves, but not always getting it right. Not always getting it right. And I, you know, Bill and I have talked about this several times is we, we joke about it on specific things like the facelift giant buck tooth grill of the BMWs. But it's like 
this starts somewhere in some sort of design and then it gets to engineering and it gets to marketers and like how do so many people oh. sign off on this? How's there hundreds, arguably hundreds of people sign off on this? And then as soon as we get into an ID4 and go, why does it take three steps on a touchscreen to change the air conditioning? I've got to hit the climate button and it's got to bring up the screen and I got to change it on the screen and then click off. It won't go away. You got to hit the X to wipe it away. It's just like, I just spent 19 seconds trying to adjust the air. And if I didn't like it, by the way, I got to start the process all over again to change the fan speed. There's no easy way of doing it. And you're right. Volume controls as well. At least volume controls on most of these cars, there's something on the steering wheel, right? So if you have some presets for your radio and the volume control, you can hit it on the steering wheel. But if you're going to put all of this, this stuff on the screen, then I think the steering wheel, in addition to volume and radio controls, needs air conditioning controls. You need to be able to turn the fan up and down at a minimum. Maybe you can't change the temperature, but you got to be able to fan up and fan down off of the steering wheel. Because I don't want to go through four screens of menus just to change the, the thing, right? I don't know. That's just... That's me. That being said, ID4 seems like a fair enough little commuter car. Uh, you know, the one that I drove, I think, is the rear wheel drive with the 200 ish horsepower. Uh, they're supposed to have a 300 horsepower all wheel drive version, I think, at some point, right? Yeah. And uh, that might be a little bit more exciting. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but I think they're going for not exciting. They're going for. An EV, that's a commuter car. It's a small four-door SUV-ish type of thing, and it's just meant to, you know, plug in, you know, get your 250 miles of range, have a decent sound system, and be able to, to, to go. You know, it's not meant to be super exciting. There's other cars available for, for that. So, I mean, it's... It's a little tough for us to sort of review that kind of stuff here on this show because we lean so much into the performance side of of things. Uh, but uh, kind of interesting. ID4 was, was interesting. I think if you're buying it with the intention of – well, if you're buying it for what the car was intended for, then I, th- I, think, I think you'll be fine. But if you – you know, if you thought you were getting like a Golf R or something like that, you're not going to get that. <laughs> you're going to be massively disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's just not. It's just not quite there. But they said this thing to me that they're, that they're trying to sell it to the millions, not the millionaires, which was kind of a dig at Tesla. Um, but but and I think they tried to come up with something which you know feels very accessible to somebody stepping out of a Golf or a Jetta or a Passat or something. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, part of the joy of an electric vehicle is it brings something a little bit different. You know, they tend to be faster. They got that one pedal driving and everything else. And although the ID4 looks a bit different, I think they've slightly missed slightly missed the um, missed the target on some of the driving stuff. It, it doesn't have the things that you would equate with an EV, like you're saying. It is not fast. And it doesn't have one pedal driving, uh, you, you know. So two two features, as you pointed out, that have now already become commonplace with with EVs. Like those are like now we expect those types of things or have it optional. The other thing that I noticed with this car, and this could be a setting, but it rolls around on the road uh, like a manual in neutral. Like if you're, if, if, like it'll just roll backwards. 
it, you know, and oh, it doesn't like you mean you mean it doesn't have like a hill control? No, it doesn't have a hill control. You know, and then it does if the car is in neutral, right? Because it even pops up on the screen. If you're in neutral, it'll say, "Do you want to deactivate hill control or whatever? Leave it on." So it's it's possible to do. But when it's in drive and you are on a hill, it'll roll backwards. It'll. That was so your rolling backwards. It takes to engage the brake. I mean, you hit the brake and it's fine, but it it doesn't. You know, like an automatic car has enough load in drive to to sit on a hill, right? 100%. Or or at least creep forward a little bit at a stoplight, and you can you know, and then you get on the brake. This didn't seem to have that, right? Yeah, yeah it's just a little weird. I don't know if you've experienced that, Alistair, with this car, but that was one of the things that I I noticed. I'm not sure. I mean, I said it might be a, you know, it might, might be a function in a submenu buried somewhere about turning it on and off. But I, yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. It's also lots of choice about where do you want it to creep? Do you not want it to creep? You know, like a traditional auto. Yeah. It's, everybody's trying to work out whether they should make an EV feel like a gas car or just have people accept that it's kind of a new experience. And, you know, my own view on it is once you get used to one pedal driving and everything else, you don't really want to go back because it's pretty, it's it's kind of nice and uh, and relaxing on the road, at least. I, I just drove our Model Y on a circuit and then it gets really weird actually using combination of the regen and the brakes to try and slow a car on a circuit. It's a film we've got coming out that, where I had a TRX and a Model Y on a circuit, um, which is kind of a bit of a silly day out. And yeah, it's really so, strange trying, trying to modulate your braking where you've got mechanical braking and then the regen and the car's trying to work out exactly what you're up to. So um, yeah, that was interesting. Also, Model Y is pretty larry on a circuit because you've got a lot of lift off oversteer and you can't turn the stability off. But even with the stability still on, you can still, there's a couple of times where like I had quite a, you know, a dab of oppo, as we say in England. So, so the point of this video is what not to do is take a Model <laughs> Y and a TRX on the on the on the track. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but we're we're playing with a concept which is a kind of development of a drag race, but trying to add a bit more depth to it. So um, yeah, I had a TRX on on the track, which was at times downright frightening. Um, yes, I can and imagine. Then, and then a Model Y and something else. So. Uh, TRX on the track has to be interesting, and you know, <laughs> and, unless you go gimmicky and you you fly off the track and you're in the dirt, and then you're like, oh, it's better the here. Track, yes, yeah, yeah. regular track, uh, a little bit to handle, I would imagine. Yeah, which is interesting because out here in 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 LA, even when I drove the the TRX, I didn't get a chance to get it off road, but. Uh, I've driven a number of Raptors, but at one point I was invited to uh, an off-road course in in uh, Las Vegas, and it's like a short 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 track, like trophy truck course. And mm-hmm. I and I I drove several different types of trucks with the ramps and the jumps and the flat tops and <laughs> and the whoops and all that stuff on it. And uh, and then they said, "Would you like to do it in a Raptor?" And I did, and that's where you really fall in love with these types of trucks. Hundred percent is is when you get out there and you're kind of sliding in the dirt on a banked, you know, dirt road, and 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 you're realizing like it's a lifted sports car on the dirt. Yeah, you know, it, it when it you're makes in these, it, these specialized, it, you know, trucks. It certainly makes it fun, and it certainly it. And it does open your eyes to dirt track racing, to you know, like the trophy truck stuff. It, 
it, it also gives you the background where you can 100% pass judgment on how they did on the vehicle, right? Because you can't pass judgment on either of those if you don't take it off-road. You really can't. It, it's, it's not fair. Well, we were talking about the ID4, and you should buy it for its intended use. Like, that goes both ways, right? You, exactly. buy, you buy a GT3, hopefully, for its intended use. You buy a TRX for its intended use. And and then that's when you really start to see how well these cars do. It just so happens with an ID4, it's meant to sit in traffic on the 405. <laughs> and you're like, it sits in traffic so well. I don't want to accentuate that that character. <laughs> it's just means, yeah, it's so. just it's just not meant to be exciting. But as far as sitting in traffic with the air on and a quiet, if it's not meant to be exciting, it sounds like the perfect. <laughs> that's right. It's like it's really great sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> I think you go. <laughs> well, I think the ID4 is better than the Yugo, but I'm um, just saying of its day. Uh, so, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure Volkswagen would make of that comparison. <laughs> oh, I can't. Volkswagen it, versus Yugo. Okay, yeah. versus Yugo. Um, some uh, some other stuff that's coming up on on Edmonds. You were saying that you're 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 kind of playing around with this idea of some other sort of track thing other than the drag racing, the TRX and the and the Model Y out on the track. So we'll look forward to that. But um Edmonds being so much of a a new car platform, it is interesting to see when you guys get to dabble a little bit into something that's not quite so new. So what are you guys doing with this Miata and uh and uh, Honda Civic? Yeah, I mean, I would say, actually, we've got millions of used cars on the site as well. I should get my official plug in there. But, um, yeah, buying a buying a Civic, we, we, we've had this thing for a while where, you know, we have, there's now like 40 people in the editorial team. And, you know, we're just very conscious that cars are getting faster and faster. And there's a real sort of, I don't sound too 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 worthy in corporate here, but there is a sort of duty of care. You know, we're, dri- we're all driving cars, which will do zero to 60 in three or four seconds and stuff. So we've really invested in in driver training. And we were using our our test track to do this. And we came up with this idea of like, well, let's buy a $7,500 rear-wheel drive car and a $7,500 front-wheel drive car. And we'll use them as driver training vehicles. So, you know, you can exceed the limit. You can use them on low-grip surfaces, things like that, and actually really feel what the car's doing. One's a manual. One's probably going to be an auto. And, you know, then we started thinking, well, this is a really nice story as well about how you can, you know, you can have a toy at a pretty cheap price. And then, you know, we sat around and spent hours debating what do you buy for seven and a half grand? And, you know, I I came up with a box. You can buy a box for seven and a half grand. But then if anything goes wrong, it's basically disposable. It's another seven and a half grand. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, it basically (laughs) is. Uh, Okay, so so Boxster was off the table. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, for the rear-wheel drive, which is probably where the real interest is, for rear-wheel drive, we, we had, I remember the original list, Boxster kind of quickly got thrown off the table. Uh, 350Z was, uh, you know, seven grand buys you a nice 350Z, but getting one that's clean is not always a, you know, it hasn't been modified too much, is a bit of, bit of a challenge. Um, that that was my choice. But in the end, we've gone for a Miata, which, uh, you know, is a, was a safe choice, but a, but a, but an obvious choice. So a stick shift Miata. Yeah, but it makes sense. It's kind of what you 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 expect anyway. At the yeah. end of the day, small, lightweight, rear wheel drive training car Miata. But what it, what is it? Miata Miata is always the answer. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I saw that on a shirt. I think. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's um, 
but but it's kind of fun. And we've got a nice one with a limited slip diff and everything else that I think we paid seven seven hundred for. Um, and then we're just looking probably for a Civic SI or something. And you know, we'll 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 set them up uses as driver training vehicles. But it did occur us this is also a nice way into buying a track day car. And you know, we talk about GD3s and everything else, but actually, unless you you know, unless you spent your life racing or you do this sort of thing that I do for a living, you the likelihood is that you know, A, maybe you don't have access to those vehicles, but B, they might be beyond. You know, if you're just starting out beyond your kind of track day experience, whereas you can buy a Miata for seven and a half grand. And, you know, if you do crash it or something, hopefully it's not going to bankrupt you. And also it's not going to cost squillions of dollars in tires and brakes and everything right. else. Yeah, uh, they're very, very well supported, which I guess is another reason why to go with the Civic, the Honda Civic SI for the front wheel drive car. But you must have considered other cars like uh, Mini Cooper. Yeah, that was on the list as well. Yeah, they're pretty. We haven't brought the bought the front wheel drive car yet, but Mini and Mini was was up there. Um, Minis, Hondas, um, Velosters, and things like that aren't cheap enough yet. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, it's one of those price points where you'd be amazed what you can actually get. You know, you also got quite a lot of BMWs with rear wheel drive stuff coming in, coming at that price as well. You can get a pretty nice three series for for seven and a half grand. Yeah, I, actually would have been interesting with the BMW three series for rear wheel drive and the mini for front wheel drive, because depending on how they're spec, they even share some suspension components, I believe. And yeah, I mean, it's all, all developed, you know, all developed out of Munich and everything else. So yeah, it's, 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 it's funny. It's also, I think it's good for us to, to, to ground, you know, we spend a lot of times in new cars, but it's, it's a, you know, it's been a fun exercise to go out and buy the, you know, buy these things. Yeah, and it's interesting because when I was saying used cars before, I didn't I I somehow there's this gap in between the performance world of like muscle cars that I think of and then there's the used cars that are out there now like what you're talking about a car, you know, a handful of years old and going, "Why don't you just buy a used car?" because we actually do say that all the time going, "Hey, if you're going to go out and buy a, a new car, you know, cars are still pretty good. Like cars are getting better and better." You could always save a few bucks and just find your Audis and your BMWs or whatever, a lease return, maybe three years old. It's probably got 30,000 miles on it. You'll save a bunch of money and still get yourself a really nice car, you know, as opposed to going and getting something brand new. But uh, I don't know. Well, it's, interesting. it's an interesting thing at the moment, Matt, because there's a lot of supply problems with new cars. Used car prices are crazy at the moment. You know, there's people make, you know, there's people making money on their cars. And if you're, you're in a position to chop in your car at the moment and then maybe you know exist on uber for you know a few months then actually you'd probably be that's probably not a bad financial decision so you know we're, we're seeing across the market from you know from little runabouts all the way to the exotica used car values are going crazy so um, they are we're, we're yeah, seeing it in the auction world as well not just the super high-end cars but a lot of the meat and potatoes that go across a barrett jackson or a, or a mecham auction uh the they're getting record numbers. Like it's just fantastic. Yeah, there's still a deal here or there, depending on who's in the room. But that whole market is is super hot right now. Super hot. In the last twelve months, but then the last six months, it 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 uh, it went. I'm going to step sure. out, gentlemen. I have to go consign about fifteen cars real quick. So. Yeah, there um, you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys Bill, have a wonderful day until we meet again. I know you got to bail. Take care, buddy. See you later. Yes, but be safe, Alistair.
Thanks, mate. Uh, all right. While he's jumping off, I'm going to tell you guys about the uh, the Good Guys Rod and Custom Association show. It's the 33rd Griot's Garage Pacific Northwest Nationals. It's coming to Puyallup, Washington. It's the 33rd uh, Griot's Garage uh, show. As we mentioned, it's taking place at the Washington State Fair Event Center. It's July 23rd through the 25th. It's a huge show. It's going to have over 2,500 classic cars and trucks on display. They're going to have a burnout competition, and they're doing the vintage dragster racing. They get them out there firing up that nitro, bring tears to your eyes for sure. Uh, fun for the whole family. There's going to be live entertainment. There's a pinstriper brush bash. There's the model car display, and there's a whole kid's zone that's all free for kids. There's a giant swap meet you can check out. They have the Cars for Sale Corral with hundreds of classic cars on display there that uh, you can start shopping around. Talk about getting used cars. You can go get your classic cars over there. Tickets are on sale now at goodguys.com. It's good-guys.com. It's free admission for children six and under. If you use promo code CARCAST, you'll get $5 off a spectator ticket. So it's goodguys.com, promo code CARCAST. All right. What's uh? What else is going on over you over there? You guys uh constantly creating uh creating videos, doing some tests, not just cars, but uh, you had some thoughts on tires recently, right? We we talk about that quite a bit over here as well. Drag radials versus not drag radials, but you guys were uh, laying down some track tires. Actually, the track tire thing came up when when the FRS first came out, and. The FRS needed to meet like certain MPG goals, and so they basically launched an FRS with a very sort of all-weather pedestrian tire on it, and the most immediate way to significantly improve the handling performance of that car, because it had good bones, was swap a tire. Yeah, some of this, Matt, came off the um, GT3 launch, because I spent time in Michelin there, and, and they've developed this. We get this right. It's the Pilot Sport Cup 2R tire. And basically, this is the same compound as they use on the slick tires in the um, Carrera Cup series that goes around the world. And so these are basically hand-cut slicks, which are great on the track, great if you've got some temperature into them. But if it rains or it's cold, they're going to be a handful. And they reckoned around Road Atlanta, they're worth two seconds a lap, hmm. which is huge, absolutely yeah. huge in the like GT3. But, but obviously, they're, you know, they're a soft compound. They're going to wear fairly quickly. You know, these things are never cheap. And it just got me thinking, you know, it's another thing that your kind of like wealthy track day fanatic can get into and spend money on. But you've got to be properly good to, you know, go to the to be able to push a GT3 on a track, or particularly on a track day with other people to the point where sticking on, you know, extra soft rubber is going to is going to transform your day and transform your lap time. And, you know, it's, it's just another thing, isn't it? It's like, it's like boosting the, you know, boosting the engine or whatever you may do, you know, tires have just become this, 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 another way of, of blowing, blowing tons of cash. I mean, the other way I always look at this, I used to race a cage room in Europe, which had deliberately pretty ropey tires, not, I don't mean they were bad tires. They were just, they, they were on a compound, which, which was relatively resistant to wear. But it was great because the car was constantly moving around. So you really had to drive it. And everybody was on the same tire. So we're all battling battling this situation. And it's a, it's a weird thing. Sometimes you're actually better putting worse tires on because the car becomes more fun. And certainly something <laughs> like an 86 or the BRZ, if you put too much tire on it, then you've just took got too much grip relative to the power and actually some of the fun goes away. So 
Yeah, I was thinking about the G3 launch. I mean, it was great fun. And these things obviously have got, you know, phenomenal grip in the right conditions. But you've got to be really good to, yeah, to, to, to really see the difference. On a GT3, you're talking about a massive tire, 20-inch rim probably. Now it's $1,000 per corner probably, maybe more, just to put a tire on that car. Yeah, and then at the end of the track day, and we, we just done something as well with our long-term, you know, the Corvette C8 that we own. You know, if you take the Corvette to track, then you're supposed to go through a track alignment session. You're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that, and then it's the brakes and it's the tires. And, you know, it's um, if you go to the wrong circuit that's really abrasive, like Willow Springs can be, then, you know, you can really start to, to, to rack up a bill of several thousand, which, again, brings me back to the seven and a half Grand Miata argument which, you know, you're probably going to have a ton of fun with. It's not going to scare the hell out of you. You can slide it around and, you know, you can you can actually optimize your skills without feeling that you're going to, you know, either kill yourself or kill your bank account. <laughs> yeah, it gets uh, it gets very pricey. When we head out to Monterey, there's always the call over to the to the tire guy and the guy's like, yeah, well, it's in the mail. It's $4,000, $3,700. And we're like, jeez. Just to go out there and run a, run a run a twenty minute session. Um, I, well, it, to, to your point earlier, um, at least all of the racing cars have are set up for the track. The alignment and, and everything is set up for the track. So uh, you're you're not just tearing into the tires unnecessarily. Um, uh, so you'll get a little bit more out of them. But you know, you you get a few outings with it. You know, I mean that's 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 about it. I mean, you could probably do. You know, depending on how many times you go out during like a Monterey weekend, uh, your 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 practice sessions, some qualifying sessions, and and uh, the race. Uh, maybe you're doing four sessions, and I I don't think you need to change them again. I think you could probably come back, and then next year you can run on the same same ones. But then time is an issue as well, like on those on those tires. You know, yeah. just uh, where they're sitting and, you know, how you're storing them and, and things like that. So um, anyway, kind of kind of uh, kind of interesting. Um, what else is going on in the car world? I think there's a, a Chicago auto show that's happening. I don't think it's very eventful. Um, I'm not sure what not necessarily known for big debuts. Right. So uh, I guess they're just uh, sort of doing it. Yeah, I think everybody's put a, putting a toe back in the water of doing an auto show. And, of course, New York is coming up in, in August. Not, New York's historically been April, but they're running it in August. I'm planning on heading out there. And I think that will be the first kind of proper auto show. And I think, you know, auto, we talked about this before on the show, auto shows, show, show, we're already, um, you know, we're already under threat a little bit. And then the pandemic's come along. And I think everybody's a little bit unsure as to whether now, you know, people will continue to reinvest in them. But then Paris came out and said Paris Auto Show is back on for 2022 or so. And I think LA show in November is going to be a big show. And I think everybody's hoping that the skies will have opened up and it'll be a proper international show again. But I think there's quite a bit going down in LA. New York, I think, is just going to be a little bit, you know, we're all going to see each other for the first time in 18 months and, you know, work out whether we have to fist bump or kind of like elbow bump or what the hell we're doing yeah right and then seamless on isn't it so I'm, I'm excited to get back out there you know there's a little bit of trepidation with all the numbers going up and everything else but uh you know i'm excited to to get out and you know i miss auto shows i think they're they're a fun event they're a great barometer of what the industry's up to and it's it's nice to see people i mean it's i i always kind of enjoyed them because it's a way to to be able to run around and in a day see 200 new vehicles but as far as 
getting some attention for a vehicle debut. We're seeing more and more of things pop up at you know at Monterey Car Week, at the Quail, at the Pebble Lawn, at Goodwood, at Rensport, like just just sort of these uh, you know more prestigious events, if you will, and. Uh, you know, so a, a company can launch something there and and kind of get a little bit more attention with it. Um, you know, maybe they're not getting as much foot traffic to see the car in person. They're just counting on the media to start spreading the word uh, at that point. But you know, I I guess we'll see how it's how it's gonna how it's gonna turn out with these uh, with these auto shows. Yeah, I mean, the, the the problem is you go to auto show and you get lost in the noise. You you run your own event and, you know, you can actually kind of own the media space for a short time. So, you know, and especially in a world where everything's gone digital, it's not like the old days where we used to take a notebook to the auto show and then everybody, you know, and then a week later the magazine would come out. Everything's so instantaneous. It's it's a different world. Yeah, it is. I think at uh, I think at Monterey, uh, Porsche intends to debut something there, and uh, all signs are pointing to some sort of new, you know, high end supercar or maybe track only version. It'd be interesting to see a modern day nine seventeen. Yes, well, there was the what was the there was the nine thirty five, wasn't it? That sort of thing yeah. that they came out with, and yeah, I kind of got mixed feelings about some of these. I know, particularly when they kind of reinvent the icons, and then it's just bought bought by you know collectors in Dubai who sort of you know stick them in an air conditioned garage. I I got mixed feelings about some of this stuff. GT3 Tourings, which you know people can dream of and just about aspire to, okay. But then you know if they're only going to build two hundred and they're kind of playing on the history, I, I don't know. It doesn't excite me in the same way. It, but but it's a it's a move that they make to create some value with the cars, like uh, resale value and collectability are something that these brands, most brands, uh, not just the high end brands, it sort of aspire to. You know, e- even when you get into something like Toyota Supras and Mustang Mach ones or GT five hundreds, they you know they. The companies want to see some collectability. They want to see that car worth some money and and have people sort of love and admire it thirty years down the road from now. You know, they want you know someone. They want the journalist to do sort of a retrospective article and go, "Hey, remember the the last four generations of the Bullet? You know, like this is where we are with that. This is why it's cool. And which one was the best? And you know, so th- that kind of stuff. Certainly, the higher end companies." Uh, you know the Porsches and 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 I don't know Ferraris and Aston Martins of the world uh, try to do and Aston Martins a, is a is a a special company to look at because their cars don't necessarily hold their value. So now getting more into special edition versions where there's only twenty made or a hundred made or, or something uh, does seem to create some value for the brand and some of the cars underneath. You know, uh, th- and there's big, there's there's huge margin in these things as well. Yeah, there is huge margin, I, I, and I remember being told that they built the 177 Aston Martin basically to pay for the development costs of the normal car. Yeah, which makes sense. And the 177 was a cool car, but again, it wasn't. You know, it it was it was interesting because the 177, like a lot of the selling points are like this is all like billet buttons and you know these are all cnc machined by an artist and somebody's doing it I was like 
Yeah, but it's the exact same button as the plastic version in the car, so it's not like you've reshaped it or anything. You just you just took the dimensions and 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 whatever, just the the CAD drawing and put it into a CNC machine. You made a a beautiful yeah. billet aluminum version of the plastic button you already have because it still has to fit on the same electronics in the door, right? So you're like, oh, it has a nice feel to it, it has some weight to it, but. You know, you just you just carved out a nineteen dollar aluminum button instead of a nineteen cent plastic button. <laughs> you know, so if yeah, you're gonna do I, it, you I, gotta get a little bit more creative. For sure. Uh but I did like the one seven seven. I thought it was a cool looking car. <laughs> just got big hips on it. The thing was cool when it when it came out. Uh all right, so before we wrap up, wanna give us a, an update of what's going on at Edmonds? Yeah, tons of stuff. I mean we've got you know, the world is opening up and there's a hell of a lot more events going on. We've just driven the EQS Mercedes. That's coming out. Watch out for the video on that. You know, we're, we're launching about two films a week at the moment on the Edmunds channel. Uh, YouTube channel is growing really fast. So if you're kind of looking for, a, you know, looking for a bit of entertainment, then, you know, head there and subscribe to subscribe. And then, you know, on site, we're just, you know, it's just coming faster and faster. EVs are going crazy for us. I think if you look at the 20 most, pa- most searched pages, I think four in our EVs, so it's um you know it's fascinating times to be involved in involved in the industry and I, I, you know the next few years are going to be um pretty seismic. I think one of the important things we'll be looking at and uh, talking to you about is the long term testing on all of these EVs that are coming out that are brand new Mustang Mach E and ID four and and you know e trons and Taycans and they're they're. Cool technology and things that come up, but there's so many new things and so little carryover from other uh, vehicles that um, how do these cars stack up in a year from now or or so, you know, especially, I mean, I'd say two or three years from now, but I know the way you guys test a, a long-term car in a year, you you basically beat it up as if it was, you know, almost three years old. Yeah, pretty much. And that's been one of the challenges of the last year is actually putting enough miles on cars when we were not supposed to be driving around too much. But uh, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, we we put our cars through, we try and do 20,000 miles and everything through a big range of drivers as well. So uh, yeah, it's a key part of what we do. And it's it's all about trying to represent, you know, get a, get a sense of the real world and, and the real consumer. I mean, you I come on this show and we talk about enthusiast stuff. And obviously we we do cover a lot of that. Uh, particularly on video and well on the site as well, but you know our bread and butter is is real world car testing for you know like sounds terrible isn't saying real people but you know what I mean you know we've just done a, a small SUV test which I actually hosted with Carlos Lago and you know that's done three hundred thousand views for us in in a handful of days because ultimately that's what people are buying CRVs Rav fours right. Nissan Rogues. You know, so we, we we have a good blend. You know, a lot of our heartland is you know people buying small SUVs, and then we dabble in the you know in the in the high end stuff as well, and you know enjoy talking to you about it, Matt. Well, I think one of the things we're gonna we're gonna have to look at is uh, sort of the quirks and and reliability issues, especially with all of these new EVs. The Mustang Mach E, I like it. You like it. It's winning all the awards. Uh, I helped a friend get one, and. Uh, just a couple weeks into it, he said when it plugged it in, it started making noises like a jet engine, and uh, it's been at the dealer for a month. Because it's so new, nobody knows how to fix it. 
and and they keep going back to yeah, Ford, big- and Ford is like, we we need to we need the car, we need to look at it, we need to figure out what's going on because it's there's just so many wildly new things that they don't know how to fix it. <laughs> yeah, it's it, I mean it's a big education job for everybody, uh, you know, and that that's a big part of you know this whole new era of EVs and everything else. Then people are talking about hydrogen and what have you, but yeah, I mean it it, it is it's, it's a very different car to to look after and maintain and and everything else. Well, uh, have fun in uh, have fun in Paris and uh, wherever else you're going to try to go if the government lets you. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to get back into the to the, to the UK and see parents, but get the you. I'm going to have a rant about this. At the moment, if you go into the UK and you've been jabbed in the jabbed in the US, they won't recognise your US jab. So the only way you can you can avoid a big quarantine is is to have been jabbed in the uk i mean it, this is how nuts some of this stuff has so got. if you got it a really vaccination it doesn't matter in the uk you need it get it in the uk so getting getting my yeah. shot out here wouldn't it, make a difference i think it's the only country on earth that's that's actually running this policy so uh yeah i mean france was like are you double vaccinated yes good in you come yeah. All right. Uh, Do whatever you want. It's a crazy world. Yeah. It's a crazy world. It is a I crazy run, world. Well, for a long time. Uh, well, you're there now. Have a good time. Um, I uh, I love where you're zooming from. I'm, you got a wall of toys behind you. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's a four-year-old girl's bedroom. <laughs> That's a condom for these purposes. Yeah. Uh, it'd be super weird if you didn't have a daughter. <laughs> that it would just be a weird place to be zooming probably from. that's probably a good note to end the show <laughs> yeah right uh, Edmund, uh, uh, Alistair thanks so much the website is edmunds.com and uh, all of his uh, uh, the videos and stuff you can keep up on is edmunds.com slash road noise you'll see the latest and greatest of tests and uh, videos and stuff that they've got going on up there um, thanks so much uh, have a good time out there thanks for uh, zooming in from Paris Thanks, buddy. Take care. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. 